This is the listening pond. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoy our next story. Mr. Silvestri's Musical Emporium Mr. Silvestri's Musical Emporium was the grandest music shop in the whole city. It had every musical instrument imaginable, from the tiny piccolo, which looked like a flute that a doll would play, to the stand-up double bass, which looked like a violin that a giant might play. Shiny brass instruments that tooted and honked, skinny woodwinds that sounded like forest creatures waltzing through fallen leaves, stringed instruments that sang or wept or danced a jig, drums of all different sizes, pianos whose keys looked like grinning teeth, xylophones that sounded like church bells, accordions that sounded like a duck who swallowed a piano, This shop had it all. It truly was the grandest music shop in the whole city. And in case you forgot, those very words were written in a fancy curly-cue script underneath the large letters painted on the door outside the shop that proclaimed Mr. Silvestri's Musical Emporium! Exclamation point! Just below this sign was a massive window display. Inside, the ten-foot-tall windows on display for the busiest street of the big city were the most beautiful instruments the shop had to offer. A trumpet that shone so brightly you could see your reflection staring back at you when you paused to ooh and ah. A curvy cello that was so rich a mahogany, it always looked like it had just been given a coat of glossy paint. A snare drum, perfectly silver. The tallest bassoon you had ever seen, with a mouthpiece like a shiny snake. The proprietor of Mr. Silvestri's Musical Emporium was, of course, Mr. Silvestri himself. He was shaped like a tuba with a voice to match and would greet you with those words as you entered the shop to a tinkling of bells. Welcome, he would boom, to the grandest music shop in the whole city. And then he would sweep his arms across the shop and say, How would you like to make music today? And if it were a child who entered his shop, he might bend down low and with a wink ask, Would you like to see my loudest instrument? Everything about Mr. Silvestri's musical emporium was magnificent and grand. Well, almost everything. At the very back of the shop 
wedged in a dark corner far, far away from the stunning window display of Mr. Silvestri's finest instruments, was a plain wooden shelf. A handful of instruments sat on those shelves in various states of disrepair. A violin with a cracked neck and loose frets, an oboe that was missing half its keys, a tom-tom drum with a big old hole in the head and a dent in his side. A faded sign nailed to the top of the shelf read, Broken Instruments, One Dollar. Sold as is, all sales are final. Mr. Silvestri had never sold a single one of these broken instruments. Occasionally, a customer looking for a bargain would ask if they could be repaired. Mr. Silvestri was certainly an honest shopkeeper and didn't hesitate to inform them that these were all, sadly, instruments who would never play music again. Once, when a customer asked why he kept them on display when he otherwise had such a magnificent inventory, he shrugged and explained that he found them in alleys and on street corners next to trash cans. He couldn't bear to see them thrown away, so he brought them to his shop. Perhaps one day someone might give them a home. Well, it won't be me, <laughs> the customer replied with a laugh as Mr. Silvestri wrapped up the brand new clarinet she had just purchased for her boy. He smiled politely, but did not join in the laughter. After she left the shop, he pulled his feather duster from behind the register and gave them all a quick sweep before he whispered, Don't mind her. One day you'll all find homes. The violin had been there the longest, the very first instrument to sit upon the shelf. Mr. Silvestri had just opened his shop that December many years ago. In fact, he had unpacked a box of the finest violins he had ever laid eyes upon just that morning. They were still on his mind when he spotted the broken violin on his walk home. It was leaning against a garbage bin with a banana peel draped over its bridge. Mr. Silvestri plucked the peel away with irritation. This instrument may not have the shine of the new one he had placed in the window this afternoon, but it surely had made some beautiful music in its time. It didn't deserve to just be carelessly discarded, as if it were a banana peel. And then he felt the first snowflake of the season upon his forehead. And just like that, he made a decision. He wasn't going to let this violin be buried in snow and forgotten— so he took it home, cleaned it up as best he could, and the next morning he put it on the shelf in the back of his new shop. He never anticipated it would soon be joined by a gutted accordion he found abandoned in an alley. And that was when he printed the sign, Broken instruments, one dollar sold as is, all sales are final, and carefully nailed it to the top of the shelf. The violin sat on that shelf for ten holiday seasons. That was how the instruments counted time. 
Every December 1st, Mr. Silvestri and his partner, a tall, skinny bassoon of a man, would bring the decorations up from storage. The door that led to the basement was opposite their shelf, so the broken instruments had the best view. In fact, the only view they would have the whole holiday season. For once the boxes passed by, they were out of sight until they were returned downstairs in the new year. The broken instruments called it the Holiday Parade, and they looked forward to it all year long. With the precision of a drumline, box after box marched past the shelf, filled to the brim with long evergreen garlands, red velvet bows, strands of twinkling lights. And then came the oversized candy canes, large brightly colored ornaments, Santa statues and tall wooden nutcrackers, and at last the Christmas tree that was placed in the window. Every year for a few brief moments, those instruments got to experience Christmas before it vanished from sight. Luckily for them, instruments are by their very nature a kind and generous species of inanimate objects. After all, their purpose is to make music, and music brings joy, even if that's sometimes a mournful joy. So the shiny new window instruments would tell stories of the outside world to their broken friends on the plain wooden shelf in the back of the store, who day after day could only stare at that boring brown basement door. It's raining today, the cello would sigh. A wet spring day and the umbrellas look like colorful Easter eggs bobbing through the streets. The summer sun is shining high in the sky, the flute trilled, and the children are lined up outside the ice cream store next door. The last autumn leaf just fell to the ground, sang the harpsichord, and now the trees along the sidewalk are bare. It's snowing! The trumpet announced on December 1st, and the big department store across the street is also decorating its windows for the holiday season. The broken instruments were so thankful for their friends in the windows, and every day of every season, they stared at that boring brown door and imagined what it would be like to look upon the world. And so it was, year after year. The window instruments came and went, off to homes where they fulfilled their purpose, bringing music into the world, and the broken instruments waited on that shelf, slowly growing in number from Mr. Silvestri's street rescues over the years, silent but for their conversations that no human could hear. There were 20 broken instruments on the shelf, and it was nearly full when a new customer came into the shop one day. It was a few days after that turkey holiday, which meant the holiday parade could happen at any moment. The instruments were excited. Just that morning, Mr. Silvestri had added a new instrument to the shelf, a xylophone who had lost most of his tone plates. 
We're running out of room, he whispered, as he carefully moved the tom-tom aside to squeeze in the newest addition, and the instruments thought he sounded worried. The bells that sang out every time the shop door opened came to life, and Mr. Silvestri gave the xylophone a small but reassuring pat on the head before he turned to greet the customer with those words he had uttered thousands of times before. Welcome to the grandest music shop in the whole city. How would you like to make music today? This customer wore a business suit and carried a clipboard. Her hair was pulled back in a tight bun, and she examined her surroundings from behind a pair of stern-looking glasses. She did not look like Mr. Silvestri's typical customer, a mother looking to purchase a keyboard for her fledgling pianist, or a teenager dreaming of playing lead guitar for the hottest rock and roll band. She walked around, thoughtfully inspecting the instruments, flipping the pages attached to her clipboard, her brow furrowed as she considered her options. Finally, she reached the back of the store, and when she saw the shelf of broken instruments, she stopped and her eyes lit up. She again consulted her clipboard, quickly flipping until she found a specific page and then pulled out a pen and made some scratches. Then she turned to Mr. Silvestri, who had been following her with an inquisitive look on his face, and said, I'll take them all. Mr. Silvestri did not quite know how to respond. I must tell you, he said a bit reluctantly, that these instruments cannot be fixed. That's quite all right she replied. They're perfect just the way they are. He hesitated, glancing over at the shelf of broken instruments. May I ask what you intend to do with them? She glanced about the shop to see what other customers were within earshot and studied Mr. Silvestri as if wondering if she could trust him to keep a secret. For a man who was rarely without words, he didn't know how to express what he wanted to say. And so he told her, quite simply, that those instruments were special. Finally, she sighed and said, Well, if you must know. And then she leaned forward and began to whisper, the broken instruments strained to listen, but across the shop, another customer began to play the grand piano on display, and the sound of their conversation was drowned out by a jaunty holiday tune. The instruments watched as she flipped to a page on her clipboard, gesturing wildly with her hands, and Mr. Silvestri nodded slowly. And then a grin began to spread on his wide face. The music stopped abruptly. And the man playing the piano stood up and announced loudly, I'll take it, Mr. Silvestri. The other customers in the store gasped. The grand piano was perhaps the most expensive instrument in the shop. A sale like this didn't happen every day. But in the silence, Mr. Silvestri just waved his hands. Yes, yes, he said distractedly. My partner will be over to assist you in a moment. And then he turned back to the woman with the clipboard. 
I will wrap these up and deliver them myself. That will be $20, please. After the woman left the shop, Mr. Silvestri pulled out a roll of thick butcher's paper, brown with the name of his shop stamped on it in gold. He carefully lifted the broken violin from the shelf and held it for a moment, the very first he had rescued, and her world went dark as he began to carefully wrap her in the paper. She didn't know where she was going, but she took comfort in the carol he began to hum, jolly as can be. <laughs> and one by one, the shelf was empty, until the very last instrument was wrapped and placed in his shop's bags. Just go to sleep and soon you'll be home, he whispered. And so the instruments entered a state of deep slumber, as all instruments do when being transported from place to place. And with a tinkling of bells, they left Mr. Silvestri's musical emporium. When the violin awoke, she was in a strange place. She looked for that plain brown door that she had grown so accustomed to over the years, but it was nowhere to be found. Instead, she saw a small creature with a green jacket, red and white striped pants, and pointy ears. His arm moved up and down, and in his hand, he held a small tool almost as if he were building something. Almost as if he were building her. She looked to her left and saw the oboe next to another small creature similarly dressed and holding a paintbrush. That creature's arm was also moving up and down as if it were painting the oboe. She looked right and saw the drum and the xylophone, and she quickly counted, yes, all twenty of her friends were there. And there was so much more to see. She saw tools and paint cans and rolls of brightly patterned wrapping paper, as well as strings of twinkly lights and snowflakes and plates of cookies and candy canes. She looked up and saw a sign that read, Santa's Workshop. And then after she looked left, and after she looked right, and up and down, she looked out. And that's when she realized where she was. The window instruments had described it so well over the years. She saw snow tiptoeing down from the sky in fat flakes. They weren't in a hurry to reach the brick sidewalk beneath them. Skinny bare trees shimmering with white lights. Tall black street lamps with crisp red bows at the top. A symphony of people moved through the streets, some carrying briefcases, rushing as if late for something, and some just strolling with packages or carrying paper cups with steam rising from them. 
and the children, laden with puffy coats and colorful hats. Children of all shapes, colors, and sizes with one thing in common among them. Giant smiles, and they pressed their faces to the window and squealed with delight. This window is Santa's workshop! <gasps> Look, Mama, that elf is building a violin! A small girl with pigtails called out excitedly, just inches away on the other side of the glass. And her mother responded, Well, let's go inside. I have some shopping to do before we get our picture taken with Santa. And then the pigtailed girl was replaced by a red-headed boy with a gap in his grin who was just as excited to look upon her. No, she would never grow tired of this view. But there was one last thing she wanted to see. The violin looked out even further, searching and searching until she finally saw him. Past the squealing children and across the street, she finally saw who she was looking for. Mr. Silvestri stood in the doorway of his shop, watching the spectacle across the street with a proud and magnificent smile upon his face. And above him, the sign that she had never seen before. She finally glimpsed those words she had only heard from the mouth of the shopkeeper who rescued her so many years ago. Mr. Silvestri's Musical Emporium. The grandest music shop in the whole city. The all our listeners you can follow us on instagram and wherever you get your podcasts